The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, it's all about tacos. Breakfast tacos, puffy tacos, even a Jewish deli pastrami taco. Smoked pastrami taco. Neither of them come on rye tortillas, which I really want. I think it'd be perfect. With a pickle spear? (laughs) (laughs) Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with Sam Katuri and Bart Hansen. What's up, gentlemen? How's it going, man? Happy hey, last day of Hanukkah, Sam, or has you got one more? Uh, well, tonight will be the last candle light. The last, you know, tonight's all eight candles on the menorah. Well, nine, including the the, the big one, the helper. Okay. Uh, so yeah. someone, I don't, I don't. Was it you, Sam, that posted the picture of the menorah about it getting hot? Um, yes. I, I bet that thing, when it's fully lit, it produces some heat. Yeah, you're talking about nine candles, all kind of like closely packed into each other and then you know we have we have three menorahs uh of my house because um you know because my wife is my wife one of them is like this terrifying handmade wooden menorah that um she found at the goodwill for like four dollars and definitely like the as we look closer at it like it came already burnt like they were like where the where the little candles stick in around that the wood was already burnt so we're, we're like i don't know tonight with with it's gonna be a lot of fire <laughs> it's gonna get wild tonight so we we had about five candles burning last night too because pg e decided to do um scheduled maintenance um they said they started turned off the power at nine o'clock and um uh, said they'd have it back at twelve forty-five uh in the afternoon and so at 7.30 last night, the power came back on. Thank you, pg and um, Makes for a yeah. good day of distance learning and work from home for the... Uh... <laughs> well, it was good for Terry because Terry got the day off and could sit around and read her book. I brought Dane to the winery and um, we sat on opposite sides of the winery and he, uh, he, he went to class. So um, he doesn't mind that because he gets, you know, fish tacos from... Uh, Oh, Carneros yeah. from yeah. the Carneros Deli. Hey, and I got my own fire story. I lit one of the umbrellas on fire at the Fairmont. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it to happen, but I just didn't think it was going to be me that was going to do it. But you know, you got all these mushroom heaters, and you got them. You're trying to keep people dry and keep people warm, and so that's not a good combo with all these heaters and the umbrellas. So I got all blisters on my hands. I had to actually literally put it out with my hand because it was a freak out moment where there was, you know, no fire extinguisher within sight. And I was afraid I was going to burn the whole hotel down like in 1925. So, you know, on that note, Brian, I, I think I saw last night on social media, they serving some food um, last night at the Fairmont, not we, to get anyone in trouble. We, <laughs> we have picnic baskets, Bart. So we got all these. Oh, boo boo. Let's get a picnic basket. Hey, so we started doing that maybe like a month or two ago where to 
to to bring to uh, what do they say raise the level of room service we have these really cool picnic baskets and when you order room service we put plates in it silverware napkins all your condiments um, and a tablecloth so that when we deliver it you can put the tablecloth out take everything out of the to-go boxes put it onto plates and actually have a dinner so now i think they're doing that just as takeout and then you can take it to your room or you can take it somewhere on property you know and socially distance with your people that's awesome so, so yeah let's talk about that for a second because uh as of midnight last night or midnight tonight ever all of the bay area napa indoor dining shuts down tasting room shuts down but the hotel sonoma has been like that for about a week um you know no more tastings no more dining outdoors uh but the hotel is yeah you said a couple weeks ago that they, it, they figured out it was more expensive to shut down than to it's to hard to shut down because you know, you're you know all this stuff that you you know all the wines that are open all the food you got in the walk-ins and the so it's better to just stay open stay at a low um occupancy serve the people that are actually there and it's people that are first responders or essential workers or you know people like that and then that way you don't have to waste all the food and then a month from now january 10 or whatever then we'd have to buy all new food so you just kind of keep things rolling but you go with super minimal staff so i have been off since saturday and i will go back to work january 10th oh so when did you when did you light the rest when, when did you light shit on fire that was like wednesday i i think something like that. And I was just moving one of the heaters and didn't realize it was still on. Someone was sitting out there during lunch service or during lunch. And, and luckily there was someone else on the patio that noticed it. I didn't notice it at first. And she was like, Hey, 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 Hey. And I turned around and there was flames coming out of the umbrella. This thing, and this thing costs, I think it's $60,000. It's not a, it's not an umbrella you buy to put up in your backyard. It's one of the oh. ones mounted into the ground. It's got heaters and lights and Oh yeah, Bart. Bart was there last week. I think he, you know, you've seen what the umbrellas look like there. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's going to be an expensive fix. I felt really bad. And but then you're like, "Peace, I'm out. <laughs> lay lay me off. Furlough I'm, me. I'll be gone." I'll yeah, I'm kind of. It's kind of nice, you know, to have Christmas off and New Year's Eve off. When you're in the restaurant business for 35 years, to have this time off is, it's actually really nice. So, um. So. So Sam, did you see what Pangloss is um, building? Like, this is this is crazy to me. Like, they they had their little tables in the street out there, right. and I drove by yesterday, and there was a guy out there working in the street. Everything was gone, of course, because the shutdown. And I came back today, and they've like they're building a structure with a ceiling and um, full, you know, flat, um, uh, even to the sidewalk. Right. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting because there's no date that it's going to be reopened, but they've made the commitment and the city must have obviously made the commitment to keep the streets shut because this isn't like, oh, move the stuff out of the way. We're reopening the street. This is like have a construction crew come in and tear down that building. Um, so anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, A, is my, am I cutting out again? Am I here? No, I'm you're good. You're, good. you're all good. Um, um, I, you know, I think that a lot of restaurants, wineries, you know, you can't put these plans on hold just because 
we're now into this like new phase of shelter in place or back to the future or wherever the hell we are. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I know we've done that with a few things. I mean, look, we bought a tent last month that's now, um, you know, housing uh, Phil and Isabel while they taste smoke tainted wine as we speak. Um, you know, it's so it, it's certainly not easy um, to do these things and, and you can't you can't stop some of this stuff once once the momentum. so you know they probably got those permits approved at the beginning of the month and yeah. you know now now it's easy to build shit because there's no customers in the way i mean there is there is that benefit right yeah um, totally so and totally. and certainly when we reopen it'll be reopening outside first before we go ever get a chance to go back inside so yeah yeah it, it's just it was such a contrast Dead. And, you know, yeah. it, it's sad for our, all of our retail stores, but, you know, it's just dead. And um, then to see like this major construction project going on this morning, um, just just interesting. So now, I mean, you know, the, the irony of this sort of latest wave of shutdown, um, I didn't we didn't have to cancel very many appointments. Um, you know, I had a couple of people I had to call this week and say, hey, Sorry, we, we can't see you. Well, if you want to come buy some bottles, please come say hi. Um, you know, I, I think that, and I think the restaurants are starting to feel the same sort of thing that, um, you know, people, at least in California, for what it's worth, are, you know, listening to the news and listening to our public health officials and, and trying to stay home and stay away. And um, so, leading up to this. Sonoma County's version of the shutdown, which happened last week, you know, there wasn't a lot of people here anyway. Um, you know, the, I don't know what the hotel's been like, Brian, but you, know, it, you drive around, you know, Friday, Saturday night, um, it was pretty quiet. It, it was surprisingly busy the weekend before. And I saw, well, yeah. yeah, saw some, you know, people coming from other areas where it seemed like COVID was not a thing. <laughs> so, um, another reason I am happy to have this month off, it just, people are tired, you know what I mean? And when you get people that are kind of tired of it, they, they get a little bit lax about their protocols and they, they don't understand that, you know, people around them aren't in that same place. And so I think we could have kept a pretty high occupancy and, and, you know, for restaurants though, in general, Christmas Eve, you know, they do things like Feast of the Seven Fishes, you know, especially at hotels, Christmas is a big day, just like Easter, Mother's Day, Thanksgiving. And then when you're talking about New Year's Eve for restaurants, New Year's Eve is a huge day too, where, I mean, people go out. So, you know, it's a big, it's a big financial loss. So hopefully those old white men are getting their shit together here today or tomorrow and, and some women as well and uh, getting some money out to us. Yeah. Yeah. Little, little bits, little bits. I mean, you know, it'll be better than nothing. And what the numbers they're talking about are pretty piddly but uh it's yeah. a whole lot better than doing absolutely nothing um yeah you know, which has been I, super frustrating yeah i mean on that note you know, we're, we're wrapping up our like year-end financials and stuff and um and then you keep hearing about all these like giant organizations and companies that got all this ppp money and, and 16600 we got a we had a small ppp loan payroll protection plan policy whatever uh and doing our year-end financials right now 
we we are a turn to profit in, in 2020, which is something that we're happy about. The amount of the, the profit that we made in 2020 is basically exactly the amount of our PPP loan. Wow. So, you know, there's small businesses out there that these things worked really well for. I mean, it, it um, you know, allowed us to, to stay in the black this year, um, which is, which is freaking awesome. Um, but, you know, so next round of it, you know, restaurants, whatever, definitely these programs worked and are working and, and we need more of it. So, you know, write your congressman or whatever and uh, tell them to get this shit done because yep. we can't sit around with nothing for much longer. Yeah, get Bernie. Bernie Bernie's fighting. Bernie's fighting. fighting. More money, more money. And Mitch McConnell's sitting around with his weird bruised hands doing nothing. Sitting on maybe that's maybe that's why his hands got all weird as he's just been sitting on them sitting for on. seven <laughs> fucking months. <laughs> Explains everything. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I went to college for a long time. So <laughs> hey Sam, dude, can you um can you talk uh you want to talk uh, Travis Barkley? Um I was asking any significant rainfall so far. I get I think he's kind of wondering, like, you know, what's going on. Ooh, last yeah. night. Last night. We got yeah, some that was wild. rainfall. Yeah. There was even maybe a little like thunder roll last night. It, it was uh it was a full on like 12 hour, not even like seven hour atmospheric river. I think we got a little over an inch. Uh yeah. started around midnight. And by the time you know the sun came up at seven o'clock this morning, it was clear blue skies. Yeah. Um so that was that was a wild one. Um, and then we had well, about another inch or so last, last week. week. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, I mean, it's, it's a nice start. Um, I always feel like when the soil is wet, when there's soil moisture, um, that helps bring more rain. And it's probably not like scientific. It's just sort of more like the vibe. But, I, you know, I hopefully this means that the storm door is open. Um, fire season is over, at least in Northern California. Um, you know, we're still in, in drought conditions, but, um, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and it's, it's, and, it's dumping pretty good in Tahoe. And yeah, there's snow. So we can, you know, we, if you want to leave and go do things, you can go skiing. Um, uh, and <laughs> I don't know where you're going to stay, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck. Sleep in your car, bring a blanket. Or um, Nevada side, I guess, I guess Nevada side, they're still open. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, uh, Jasmine was supposed to be going up and staying in a, in a cabin in South Lake this week and next week. And they had like the last minute, whoever they booked it through canceled on them, um, canceled on them and maybe wasn't giving their money back, which is fucked. Um, so I don't know. And I think that was that was South Lake, but that was maybe California side. You know, Nevada is is just as impacted, maybe even more by by the, the virus. So I don't know. But um you know, from a, from a vineyard standpoint, cover crops have sprouted and are growing, you know, you're starting to get that like green carpet kind of look in all the vineyards, um, which I, you know, I love this time of year. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's happening. Um, hopefully we can keep this storm door open and, and um, get some, another, you know, we're doing another three, four inches this month um, uh, would set us up real well for, for the rest of the winter. We'll see. All right. Well, you guys want to get into some wine? We're going to talk about uh, some of the lists that just came out over the past uh, week or two. 
Uh, yeah, well, well, big shout out to um, uh, our friend of the program, Braden Albrecht, winemaker up at Maya Thomas. Again, uh, yeah. Two years in a row. Last year was number two. I don't know what's going on. They're slipping a little bit. This year it's number four uh, on the, the Wine Spectator Top 100. Um, so that's that's always cool to see. Um, yep. Jeb Dunnick came out with with his top hundred, um, and Jeb, as we love Jeb, uh, he's definitely the college professor that you want if you want good grades because uh, he had a, a thirteen hundred point wines in his top one hundred according to Bart's calculation. Well, and there were, I mean, there were there were twenty ninety eights. Um, yeah. But but I think the way he explains it and the way he kind of explained where he came from the list, I, I think he, he did a really good job, you know. Um, yeah. uh, well, but, you look you know, at the wines and tastes, they're all really fucking good wines. Well, right? that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And a lot of Roan, which we love seeing. Yeah, definitely. If there's a list to look at that's like, mm, if you're thinking of buying your favorite podcaster is a Christmas present, go to Jeb's list and anything on there and, and we'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. And, or a Hanukkah I, Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. No, it's just, it's okay. um, but it was nice to see a couple of Zinfandels on, mm -hmm. um, or at least a couple field blends on, um, on Jeb's list, uh, you know, both from Sonoma County. Um, so that's good for us. And there was some Phil farmed grapes, obviously on there between, um, uh, between Braden and, um, and, and Tony Biaggi. Um, right. Was there, was there a third um, Phil farmed vineyard on there? Sam? I don't believe so. You know, uh, uh, full disclosure, that's always the first thing I look at when I see these top 100 <laughs> lists. Um, and I think that those were the two. So Oakville Ranch and Maya Thomas okay. um, were, were that, that made lists. Um, I, I don't think I saw anything else. Yeah, I don't, uh, Russell Bevins on there, but I don't know. It's a it's a blend of something, and I don't I didn't look closely to see where it was farmed. Um, I, I think it's cab base. It might be up in the Oakville area. Yeah, I'm just trying to look myself. This, of course, Saxon made it. Um, Realm, uh, Epoch or Epic? Sorry. Epic. Epic. Oh yeah. Um, I got one of the '98s. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Booker Booker had two wines because they had a Booker wine, and then there was um, what is it? Our 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 neighbors, my favorite, neighbors. Um, my favorite neighbor, yeah. also. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of love there for them. Some good Paso stuff, and then Halcon, which is a local uh, Syrah producer, and they've always had really nice Syrahs. That's on there, and and to have a wine on there that's like thirty five bucks is great too. It's nice when you're not having to spend 150, 200 for a highly rated wine. Yeah, 100%. Um, if, we, if we want to talk about lists, though, and I'm trying to now, I'm of course, struggling to bring it up. Um, Esther Mobley, friend of the program, did uh, something pretty interesting with what, you know, the, the Chronicle, because the Chronicle usually this time of year, instead of doing like top 10, top 100, they name the winemaker of the year. Um, and her, her whole, um, sort of premise this year was how do you encapsulate all of 2020 in just one winery or just one winemaker? Um, so she put together, um, a, a list of 12 wines that sort of define 
what was going on with with 2020. So I'm just going to talk kind of about a couple of them. Um, but you know, to, oh, there, oh yeah, in in Brian's hands, Brian is Brian is uh, on the the Esther Mobley top twelve. She's she's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, this is definitely Brian wheelhouse kind of lines. Um, but uh, uh, there's not much old guard in that list, is there? Right. No, no, not really. I mean, you know, look, but Theopolis uh, has been there for a long time. Yeah. Brown Estate has been there for a long time. So that was, you know, she, she kind of touched on like the Black Lives Matter movement and then how that sort of uh, carried over into, you know, black owned wineries, which which have gotten, uh, you know, long overdue attention this year and, and hopefully can carry forward because there's some great wines there. Um she had the the Luli Sirar. Is that one that you're familiar with, Brian? So this I, is no. um, oh, I've never this was a, a Syrah made by one of the few uh, women master sommeliers. So that was she threw that in there, kind of as a as a nod to um, you know the scandal and 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 takedown of of the master som, you know the guild of master sommeliers and all the court of masters, all the stupid shit that they did uh, and got caught for rightfully. Um, interesting. There was a, a Grenache in there um, from a winemaker who lost his home uh, in the Santa Cruz fire. Um, so I thought that was a, you know just kind of wrapping all things. Up. And then the 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 number twelve wine on the list was a Piquet uh, made made with smoke tainted fruit. Um, you know they weren't able to make wine with the juice, but they were able to make Piquet with the skins. Um, and, uh, you know, so definitely it's, it's a great list. If you want to go find it, if you, if you have, if you have free articles left <laughs> on your, uh, on your Chronicle, or if you're a Chronicle sub sub subscriber, um, worth checking out, uh, definitely kind of, a, a a roundup of, you know, what's going on around here this year. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. And, you know, as it goes in a couple of weeks, it'll be full access, you know, um, Right. Uh, so eventually you'll be able to see it. Yeah. At least yeah, that's what yeah. I'm waiting for. And, One, and, waiting for the months to turn over so you can get back in there. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a preview of an upcoming show in there. There's an Inconu Merlot um, right. 2018 Carneros, which uh, Laura Brennan Bissell is um, her. She stays at the Fairmont periodically. And so we've been talking over the last year, super intelligent, articulate, thoughtful, uh, winemaker that has some really interesting ideas and you know we've had some really fun geeky conversations when she stayed at the hotel and so she said she was willing to come on the show we're just waiting to set up a date hopefully in early January and uh, uh, and if you get a bottle of that Merlot get it now and then when we do the podcast you can be drinking it while you're listening yeah I'm, I'm excited for that one you know the way that um that Esther kind of brought that together was that was um Kind of a the climate change conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, exactly. And you know, right, a Carneros, you know, Merlot. When you think about Carneros, everybody usually thinks Pinot Chardonnay, but it's becoming increasingly that you could grow interesting versions of of wines that need a little more warmth than those, but um, you know, you might not want too much warmth. And then the other piece of that, and I'm really curious to talk to talk to Laura about this now, is that she's basically putting her eggs in a, in a Washington basket and, you know, taking her winemaking North to, to move with, with the climate. And I think that's something that, you know, we've, 
talked about a lot and both, you know, on the show and, and in, um, you know, and in real life of, you know, what happens, do we move North? Do we change varietals? Do you change elevations? And I think it's a little bit of all of those, right? And, and she's got some really interesting takes on natural wine. So it'll be, um, it'll be a fun little banter. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's been some of the conversations with, that we've had. So uh, you know, while we're on the subject, um, Alejandro Hernandez asked a question to us um, about uh, some comments of um, co fermentation, which I think we've talked about, you know, a little bit. And then, but I think the other thing is um, a hopped wine. Um, so meaning using you know hops in the hops in the fermentation. And, and I'd have to say the closest thing I've ever seen to a hopped wine was when we threw, you know, buds of cannabis in a fermenter. And um, because, of, well, but because I, I think as far as the effect on it, because we didn't rinse it, we learned later that if you rinse it, you get rid of the chloroform. Um, uh, but we didn't do that. So it was, it had this amazing aromatics an amazing, you know, um, taste of the, of the cannabis. Um, uh, but you know that, so that's what I would imagine <laughs> the closest thing to a hopped wine would be. Did it taste like oh, brownies, Bart? No, no, it, it really <laughs> tasted, it, it, it really just tasted like, uh, I, I keep wanting to say chloroform, but, um, well, you can't even make chlorophyll, a joke about chlorophyll. chlorophyll. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, no, but you, can't, but you can't make a joke about chloroform anymore because, you know, it's not politically correct. Uh, well, it never really was, probably. Um. Why? Because the uh, Russians are killing people? <laughs> no, nah, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Stay out of, right. stay out of that. <laughs> um, you know, I've had, I've had hopped ciders um, okay. where they, like, dry, dry hop the cider. Um, well, and he's and, a cider maker. Okay. That, make, that makes sense. Um, and you know, cannabis and hops are are closely related plants. They're cousins. Um, so you know, there's, and if you look at a hop and you look at a bud, um, they're you know sort of structurally pretty similar. Um, so that's definitely, you know, if I was gonna hop hop something wine related, um, I'd, I'd probably go piquet. I'd probably want to hop piquet, right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, flavor-wise, you know, bubbles, the whole thing. I think that might be a, a really kind of fun way to do it. And shit, for that matter, I guess uh, in cannabis-infused piquette probably needs to be on somebody's agenda. Oh, uh, oh, oh! oh. <laughs> if, if this, if this is one where we should release the video. The bright look on Brian's face. Right there. <laughs> might, as, might as well have talked about you know stainless steel unoaked high acid chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking so, of what, yeah. what, what, how about for you guys, like what you tasted this year? What are some of your favorite wines that you tried? Um, favorite wines that we've I've tried this year, Sam. I know you were kind of getting into Rieslings there, like North, you know, Northern California Rieslings or something like that. I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I I drank fully a, a case of. Um, the Desire Lines Coal Ranch Riesling this year, uh, or at least like in like the first six months of, um, of of shelter in place. You know, it's one of those wines. I don't drink. We don't drink a lot of wine at home. Alice doesn't drink more than you know a couple glasses a week or stuff. So 
you know, usually when I'm opening a bottle, I'm, you know, maybe going through half of it and sticking the other half in the fridge. Um, and I definitely like, you know, I love wines that taste good when you open it and then you stick it in the fridge and, and um, open it again the next day and it tastes even better. Uh, I just did that last night with a, a bottle that I bought from Tanner over at, at Valley Bar and Bottle. Um, so that's, you know, that's something I always look for. Drank a lot of white wine. Um, drank, definitely drank a lot of Riesling. If I would say, you know, the, I mean, I've already put it out there. The, the wine of my quarantine was definitely that Desire Lines Coral Ranch 2017. Um, yeah. So much that I bought a case of the 18. Shout out to, uh, to Cody and Emily. Nice. I, you know, I have to say, I one wine that stuck with me that I'm going to get if, if Ray will sell me some is that um, 2019 Malbec that we had um, last week um, was delicious. And, you know, between 15 and 18 bucks a bottle. I mean, that's like a daily uh, on your counter wine. Um, that, that wine was, was, was really nice, really aromatically and, and texturally beautiful. Um, other than that, you know, we've been drinking a lot of Vino Verdes um, at our house um, for white wine and a lot of, you know, Sancerre and Sauvignon Blancs. Um, but, but the Vino Verdes were, were a big hit around our house this year. Bart, did um, you see the, the list of, that Wine Spectator did of the top wines under 20 bucks? You know, I did. As a matter of fact. Um, so there was some Vino uh, Verdes on there, I noticed. There was. Um, I'm going to see if I can bring it up while we're talking here, because I think that's a public um, a, a, a public uh, posting. Um, but yeah, you know what? They're they're low alcohol. Um, yeah. They're you know slightly spritzy. Um, some of them can be a little um, a, a, a little sweet, um, uh, which isn't bad when they're um, ice cold uh, because the acid is so bracing. Um, but like I had a couple, like the majority were screw cap, but, but at Bottle Barn was able to pick up some cork finish ones that don't seem to be as spritzy, but really delightful wines. Um, and those are, you know, uh, 12 and 18 bucks a bottle. Um, so yeah, nice. Yeah. Even I think I was at Bottle Barn the other day. I think I saw some liter Vino Verde for like seven ninety nine, And I think I've had it before. Crown cap. Yeah, it's it's um, no no screw, well, uh, screw it, cap. You know the crown cap, uh, Sam. There's yeah. a leader Gruner. Um, Todd at Sonoma's um, Sonoma's best has one called oh, Gruner. Great. It's called Gruner Leader, and it's a leader crown <laughs> cap, um, and it's just a poundable wine. I mean, it almost looks like a malt liquor bottle. Like you could really just kind of stand around with your friends and and like drink some, and drink out of it. Meat. Put it in a paper bag. <laughs> well, no, you don't put it in a paper bag because then you can't <laughs> see the cool label that was on. <laughs> um, what about you, Brian? Um, anything out of your ordinary you want to um, acknowledge for this year? If you just go on at Sonoma Wine Lover, you can see <laughs> you can see what I've been drinking. It's you know, it's whites and white blends, and typically with acid and length, and you know, always. But, 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 but what was something out of your, I mean, we, we always joke about your sweet spot. What was something that you had this year that was out of your sweet spot? Ooh, I'm going to have to think about that one. Okay. Um, Cause I, I pretty much drink my sweet spot. Yeah. Um, but that Malbec was really good. And I think we should mention there was two of them that we had that day. And Bart, I think you and I at, at your spot where you are right now, we're drinking 
one of them and Sam had the other one that was a little more tannic, a little more old worldy. And we had the one that was a little bit softer. And I don't think Sam got a bottle of that. So you're kind of rubbing it in his face, but um, I, I got a bottle of that at home. Well, Sam, I think I'm going to get a case. I'm going to get a case of it from, um, from Ray. So I'll, I'll drop you off a bottle. Bar, here's the thing though, with that wine, if you're putting it out there is that he doesn't sell it on his website. It goes through, um distributor so how do how would normal people get a hold of that well i think you know if you go onto the website it does have some places where it's for sale um i, I and i don't know that he he doesn't sell it through his website but you know i, I have a feeling if you sent him an email um you, he could probably figure out a way to buy some of that wine from him um okay uh, I'll, I'll i'll check with him about it and then I'll just do shameless plug. The one wine that blew my mind this year was the Audutet Rosé uh, Shiner that just <laughs> totally rocked my world for like two or three days. I was speechless um, because it was just so different from any other rosé I'd ever had. And then the um, Sam gave me a bottle of the 2018 Hommage Blanc, which is, you know, every year is just, it's, it's right in the zone of where I like to be weight body complexity length finish acid like every it just hits everything that i like about wine so i i you know i'll drink that anytime um you know another thing i want to give a shout out to um uh, friends of the podcast um uh, jason haas at topless creek and um to um our friend nathan the shepherd at topless creek I don't know if you guys have seen this video series that they're doing. It's called Chelsea and the Shepherd. It's hilarious. And, um, <laughs> it, it is absolutely hilarious. And it's educational. You know, yeah. Chelsea is the assistant winemaker, I believe. And um, she does such a good job and she has such patience with, with, um, with Nathan. Um, but together, they're really, really good. And um, some good educational stuff. They're going through and tasting all the wines. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and I'm sure on their website, but um, well worth all you listeners, something to, to take some time and, and go through them. And that was one of the, one of the wines that um, was interesting for me to try this year was the Berbalong because it, it's the only one, like it's the only one in, in California because it's a new, newly designated varietal that they had brought in. It was the first year that they had actually released it. So but you have to be a wine club member. I don't know, maybe at this point, maybe if they have any left over and you're not a wine club member, if you go on their site and able to, to pick some up. Um, but if you're a white wine drinker, that's, that's cool. It's like drinking Ribola Giala. You know, when you're drinking something where there's very little of it, for some reason, it tastes better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm excited tonight. So um, Todd uh, from Sonoma's Best, is hosting the historic winemaker or historic vineyard society tasting um, uh, on Zoom today. Um, so it's this year. It's the Pagani Ranch. Um, so it's uh, Ridge, Bedrock, um, Sagacio, and what? Who's the third one? Um, and so they've got like Carlisle, and, and I guess Carlisle. in Carlisle, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so, you know, they, normally they do this tasting in person. Um, Todd always gets to host one. Um, and then they always do an event um, out here, uh, usually during the summer. So that was all obviously put on hold. But Todd's got like 70 people 
um, and um, Mike Officer is going to be on the call. Um, all the winemakers will be on the call. Um, so what he did is he broke down little, you know, five ounce bottles of all the wines last night. And uh, we, people are going by and picking up their bottles and um, Zoom today. So that's pretty cool. You know, shout out to Todd um, for keeping it going. Uh, that's really cool, Bart. And to, because I know a lot of us have tried to figure out how to do those large tastings without everyone ha having to open up a full bottle of each one of them. So for him to right. break them down like that, that's, that's super cool. Well, so, I mean, it, it's interesting because it, it works for him because it's all here locally. Like, I, I don't know that yeah. I would feel good about breaking down bottles and shipping them to people across the country because then they're, you know, they've been taken out of their natural state and put into a, a, a small bottle with a screw cap and then shipped, you know, across the country. Um, and so it's going to be five or six days later. Um, so it works here for that reason. And he's been doing it, you know, he always has a Thursday night tasting, blind tasting, Thursday night tasting that he was hosting. And he's just kept that business going by doing this um, with his, um, his local, uh, you know, um, community. So it's been good. Um, so Sam, do you want to get into um, uh, the, yes. the email from Jess Woods? Uh, yeah, um, you know, I've, I've been reading it and it's, you know, he asks tough questions. You know, I, I don't know if I've done a few virtual tastings. Oh, hold on. And, and digs in pretty deep. Um, did we lose me again? Yeah, we no, got you're you good. You're back. You're good. I'm back. Brian, I'm, back. Brian, I'm sending you okay. Jess. Um, Sorry, Sam. Just real quick. Brian, I'm just emailing you, just you Jess's. Bart, why don't you just kind of like uh, read the, the the heart of it so that we can you know because it's 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 a it's a tough it's longer than just like here's the question um, right. so maybe you want to read it read uh, and then we can talk about it a little bit yeah and 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 you know this this goes along with is asking um, a petalumen to read out loud too much sorry well you know um, it is early right still. Here. <laughs> So, so I just, yeah, go ahead. So yeah. is, is, this is it. Last week's podcast episode at the end, you started to explain the different pricing between consumers and distributors, whereby distributor pricing is much, much lower and leaks into stores like Bottle Barn. I think the frustrating thing for consumers who try to support wineries is that the pricing distributors are paying is way, way lower than even your best wine club members are getting. Consumers can understand some of that. Distributors are buying pallets. Consumers are buying cases. However, a list price that is two to three times what distributors pay unfairly penalizes your best, most loyal customers since that pricing gap will bleed into large bottle stores. A better model, IMO, is to also offer volume purchasing discounts to consumers, which still exceed the price of distributors, but would allow consumers to get closer to or below bottle barn type prices, i.e. one case equals 10% off, two cases 20% off, three cases 30. Yeah. And then, yeah, and shipping. Yeah, well, shipping is a whole other thing. In fact, another great uh, Esther article in the last few weeks is why wine shipping shouldn't be free um, and how expensive it is to ship wine. And, and uh, so we, that's a whole other thing. And, and we could talk about, you know, dig into the Tom Wark episode to find out a little bit more about shipping. But, um, you know, the thing that that we deal with as, as wine producers and sellers is you know you have so much wine and you got to get it out 
uh, in time for the next vintage to roll in. And um, so, you know, you find as many outlets as you, as you can or as appropriate for your brand. Um, and, you know, sometimes as that goes, you start to lose control over the prices that are being, are being charged for your wine. And, you know, it's why wineries are really reticent sometimes to sell their wine into a Costco, for instance, um, you know, where the volumes are so high that they can make really small margins. And so that's what, you know, you got to remember when you're buying wine from Bottle Barn, Bottle Barn probably by volume sells more wine than just about anybody in, in Sonoma County. And so that's how they survive is they can, you know, they drop prices and, and survive on these really tiny margins. Um, you know, when you're dealing with distributed wine that ends up in, in big bottle stores, you know, in places, you know, outside of California, um, you know, hopefully, and, and this is what, certainly what we try with 16600, um, the wines that end up in distribution are different than the wines that are available direct to consumer and, and to your club members. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one thing to look for. Um, and the other thing is, you know, frankly, um, we need, as, as wineries and the wine industry in general, we need a uh, robust and healthy wine economy in all sectors. So if, you know, you want to go and buy a bottle of your favorite wine from your local liquor store or, your, you know, local big bottle shop or, or big box store or whatever, uh, and it's something that you could buy from a winery for more, it's okay. Go buy that bottle. Um, you know, it, it'll make a distributor happy. It'll make a, a wine rep happy. You know, it makes the, the beverage manager at the, that place happy. And at the end of the day, you know, it does come back to the winery, even though it's at, at smaller margins. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated for sure. And obviously the way that we would prefer you buy our, all of the wine is directly from us and we'll ship it to you. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of different channels and it's okay to, to swim in all of them. I mean, I, I, that's my answer. I, you know, there's probably more that we could go into that. And, and Jesse, maybe you should just come on the show and, and teach us all how to be better <laughs> businessmen. Um, but, but what do you think, Bart? Well, I, I mean, again, I think another thing that people don't understand is, you know, especially this year, if you look at some of these flash marketing places like the Wine Spies and, and some of those things, Last you know, they, they have some amazing deals, you know, right now um, going through. And, and what you're seeing is you're seeing um, wineries that would normally be selling these to high-end restaurants that have lost that part of the marketplace and they need to keep going because they have another vintage coming down the pike. So, you know, they're offering at these screaming deals. Now, the problem is, is that number sticks with you um, for a long time if, if your wine's out there. Um, a number of years ago, I sold some Zinfandel through a couple of those flash marketing sites. And, and there's no doubt because, you know, there is ways, you know, on the Internet, you can find out exactly what your wine has been sold at across the country. Um, for me, it was, you know, very small and localized and, and it didn't really affect much. And it was just a couple of vintages. But, you know, right now there are some deals out there. And I think another thing people don't understand, that doesn't mean that in my case, it was directly from me from the winery. But it doesn't mean that that's true. Distributors have people that work for them that not only sell to restaurants, but they also sell to those flash marketing sites. So 
a, a winery like a um, you know a grocery store or or larger wine big box wine shop might not want their wine on wine spies, but if the local um, distrib distributor rep is a has a relationship, he can sell it to them, and he's hot to sell it to them because they'll drop you know a pallet of wine on a big on a big drop. Um, so, um, and, and the winery doesn't know anything about it. Again, going back to, you know, the distributor buys it from the winery and then that kind of leaves the winery, the winery has little to say about it after that, so. And it's all about, it reminds me of that Saturday Night Live skit, the old, uh, the old commercial for the change bank. People ask us how we make money. You come into our, to the change bank with a, uh, with a 10, we'll give you 10 ones. We can give you five and five ones. You come in with a 50, we'll give you 25 twos. And people ask us, how do we make money? Simple, volume. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's better to get pennies on a million than to get dimes on a, a thousand or whatever, you know. Right. right. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the sort of the end of Jesse's question in there, which is like, why don't wineries offer these discounts and to directly to consumers. And I think that what you'll find in 2020 is a lot of us did just that, um, you know, realizing that the, the wholesale world was, was falling apart um, and uh, you know, sort of took those, those FOB kind of pricings and, and put it forward to, to our customers. I, I did exactly that with the Sonoma Valley Zinfandel and, and I, you know, Brian, you uh, you know gave me a shout out on the the 2018 homage blanc, which I appreciate. I'm I'm selling that for dirt cheap right now. I'm still selling it for more than I could get it if, if I was on a distributor. But um, you know, should our consumers expect those prices in 2021 and 2022? Uh, you know, probably not. Um, so, wait, if be, anyone didn't catch that, that's that is a hot tip right there. 2018 hot homage tip. and the 2017 zin. If you on my website get right a case now. of each i i would I, i've tried that zinfandel like yeah. screaming deal screaming deal 20 dollars yeah. a bottle by a case yeah crazy and, and and i'm you know it's it's almost 50 percent it's almost 100 percent more than i'm getting from a distributor when i sell those wines or getting yeah. from wine shops when i sell it so you know i'm okay with it you're okay with it everybody's as happy um and we move through volume and get ready for the next release. So um, it's still up there. I'm going to keep that up there probably through the end of the year, at the very least. Uh, you go and you just one click, buy a case of those wines. And I think right now I'm including shipping on that. So it's stupid. Jesus. It's 250 bucks for a case of wine shipped to your door. Um, and, you know, go find something at your local big box store that tastes better. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, throw down. Um, so yeah, and I think that that's exactly what a lot of wineries did, and I, I know I'm not the only one who did that. Um, is you know your your wholesale world is drying up or shrinking dramatically. Well, put that forward to your customers. Maybe I didn't sell quite as much of it as I would if I had done you know all through a distributor. Uh, obviously, I made a little bit more on it, and and um, you know everybody's happy at the end of the day. So, um, you know, it's those, those deals are out there, um, find them and, and talk to your, you know, 
a lot of times, Jesse, uh, wineries aren't going to put frontline discounts out there. They're not going to put it on their website. They're not going to make it easy because of just what Bart was talking about. You're going to protect the brand. But if you have a relationship with a winery and you see their wine, you know, at a local shop for less than you can buy it from the winery, I bet you, you call them, you email them and say, hey, I was down at, you know, Bob's Big Bottle Barn uh, and he had your wine for $7 less than, than you're selling it to me, match that price. And I, you know what? You buy a case of that wine right now, they're going to do that every single time, every time. Every winery in America that has wine for sale, if you can find that bottle somewhere less and you call that winery, they're going to match that price. I, I just, you know, especially this time of year. Um, well, yeah, because usually the response is, you know, I've worked in, in tasting rooms. Usually the response to that kind of stuff is, hey, you get to come to the wine club parties you get personal service on the phone, you get comp tastings when you come. But right now, none of that is available to you. I mean, you're not getting, you're not going to any wine club parties and you're not doing any tasting. So uh, this would be the week yeah. I'd take this month to take people up on that. Now look, and, and honestly, this time of year, this year especially, all these wineries are stoked when that phone rings. Um, you know, this yeah. is without, without our tasting room channel, and essentially without the restaurant channel, um, everybody's looking for new ways to sell wine. Um, you know, and, and friend of the program, Paul Mabry would have a lot to say about our uh, inability to sell wine digitally and, and how some of us have done better than others in, than in that arena this year. Uh, but um, yeah, everybody's trying to get creative and, and, you know, there's flexibility in these prices in a way that, um, hasn't existed because just because there's inventory in a way that hasn't existed in years past. Yep. Get your pet, get your pet spayed or neutered. Let's make a deal. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right, Bob Parker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or who is it now? Drew, Drew, is it Drew, is Drew, it Drew, Drew Carey. Yeah. Uh, forget that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, did we get any other questions through the, okay. So let me go, let me dig back to a question that came uh, when we did that question episode uh, a few weeks ago that we didn't get to. Um, and it's, it's kind of another long one. So let me read it into the record also. Um, all right, this is a, a club member here. She's a very engaged um, wine consumer, uh, um, you know, pays attention to this stuff. And now, of course, my phone isn't working. Um, all right. So, okay. Uh, it might not be, this is direct quote. I'm reading directly. It might not be worth uh, talking about, but I heard from a very, quote, crunchy biodynamic farmer winemaker, who I will not name, that they use original rootstock. And I, I imagine what she means is that they're using own rooted vines um, because they think they won't have any risks since they don't till and use biodynamic farming methods. Um, the only, uh, what I knew is that the only safe way to use original rootstock is to plant in the sand. Are they taking a huge risk? Also, what are the, if there would be any difference between using own rooted vines and grafted vines as far as the flavor goes? Um, so I think, first of all, probably not flavor wise. Um, I, you know, I don't know any studies, and Bart, maybe you know better where uh, you know you grow the same variety in the same place on two different rootstocks or one on rootstock and one on own root and, and 
the wine's actually tasting better. It's just more about the way the vines grow themselves, right? I mean, that was always kind of my experience is that you, that, that rootstocks would be planted kind of alongside each other in blocks and, and seeing which one performed better. Right. Um, you know, and it was all about the growing, you know, and, right. and because really, right, rootstock, the big thing you're doing is, um, is, is it's, it's matching the rootstock to the soil and then to the variety. And it's all about controlling vigor, whether getting more vigor or less vigor for a site, correct? Mm -hmm. Right, 100%. So um, I don't know that anyone really follows out those experiments. I'm sure I, I'm sure there are people that have followed out those experiments. I haven't had that experience. Yeah, and, and you know, I, um, there would be flavor differences uh, if you planted the wrong combination. If your vines were too right. vigorous or not vigorous enough, that would affect right. the way the, the wine tastes. Um, but You know, I, at Benziger, we used to do a, a tasting. It, it was... Um, it, it, it was Sauvignon Blanc and it was um, they had a block that they would farm that they wouldn't do a lot of re leaf removal and uh, kind of California sprawl um, Sauvignon Blanc being very vigorous um, uh, and, and if not exposed to sun can get vegetal and then right. they had another one they trained straight up and down um, and on the sunny side you know left just a few leaves um, on the sunny side, like kind of stripped it. And the two wines were remarkably different, but I think they were on the same um, rootstock. They were just farmed completely differently, um, but really made a difference in, in the wines. Um, so. No, I mean, and, and sort of the other piece of that question is, you know, are you taking a risk when you're doing unrooted? And, and, uh, and I don't think tilling or not tilling changes the level of risk unless um, it's a vineyard that uh, a site that naturally, you know, maybe it's a, 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 a you know, unused, a, a virgin soil site that doesn't have phylloxera in it. Um, does that even exist? Um, and, and, well, if and you then tilling, maybe you remove the risk of like cross contamination from a site that does have phylloxera, you know, on, on vineyard equipment to using to your site but i don't i don't think so i think that this quote-unquote crunchy biodynamic winemaker grower is is probably doing it because it's cool and and trendy um not yeah because yeah. because remember um the quickest way to spread um phylloxera is by um by bringing it in from other sources right you know right. and and in the uh uh, 90s when the phylloxera was running rampant through Sonoma County every time we had to move a piece of equipment off one bin or do another we had to build these wash stations to wash everything down um, to try to keep from the contamination you know and yeah and people were like washing their boots between vineyards. yeah correct walking through walking through um uh, uh uh you know basically like chlorine baths you know yeah. um in, in their boots and stuff so cleaning all the it, none of it fucking mattered. It didn't work. Right. It didn't, it right. didn't matter, right? At the end of the day. I, I, I remember they had those photos of um, uh, the, the, the photos from above, the aerial photos where you would see the phylloxera. Um, you could see where the lack of vegetation and, and it would just kind of grow out each year. It would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there were some where they always dissed the same way 
And so mm-hmm. in that point, the, um, the circle was not round. The circle was oblong as to which way the tractors ran through. Um, so that's completely being spread just by um, moving the soil around. Yeah, so I mean, maybe no-till helps a little bit, but I, you know, I don't, I don't think it matters. I mean, at this point, phylloxera is pretty much in the soil in all grape-growing regions in the world, right. uh, in, including um, Washington State, where they it wasn't there originally, and most of those vines are own-rooted, and now they're sort of you know, Walla Walla is kind of facing the music as far as like what's going to have to get replanted in the next decade or so and, and how they can you know mitigate these issues and they're basically where we were in the 90s in, in Sonoma which is like you know identifying contaminated vineyards and and trying to you know uh, contain that and you know washing equipment and washing boots and but eventually you know it's it's going to blow in the you know in the dust in the wind um and I think that that uh, everybody's going to have to sort of face the music on that. So, you know, if I was planting a vineyard right now, whether I was going to go, you know, hardcore hippie regenerative biodynamic and and no till, I, I still don't think I would do uh, unrooted. I mean, I, I, unless I was out in you know in the sandlands, Contra Costa, um, and I'll just I'll leave that I'll leave that to Tegan and the boys and Fred. So. Yep. Uh, hopefully that answered your question so well. Cool. All right, you guys, check your emails. Laura just got back to us. She's up for either the last week of December or um, first few weeks of January. Cool. Okay. Um, and uh, one other sort of like plug of upcoming shows. Um, we're currently trying to like figure out how to coordinate our schedule with somebody who's in Italy. Uh, so that we can get Carlo Mondavi on the show and talk about uh, really what's probably been the biggest wine news, winery, you know, vineyard news of the month, which is the the uh, release of the Monarch Tractor, which is uh, an all-electric, self-driving, fully automated uh, vineyard tractor that he's been testing for uh, a few months, a few years, it sounds like, in, in different vineyards that he farms. And those will be you know, pre-order now hitting the market um, by like, you know, by being able to pull your grapes for your 2021 harvest. Um, so super excited about that. I know Enterprise Vineyards has uh, got their order in already. Wow. Um, and what yeah, I think that's, that'll actually probably end up being January because he was going to be back in the States in January okay. um, as opposed to doing a 7 a.m. podcast with him. Uh, and and, and then it'd be nice to actually taste some of his wines at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, is, what would that mean for you, Sam? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't think, so I actually had this conversation with somebody on, on social media. It's like we might have frozen. Am I back? Am I, am I gone? That's, am I back? No, no, I, I got just you. Me. You're good. It's just Bart. Okay. Um, so for me, you know, driverless is cool. I don't think that necessarily means operatorless. Um, you know, in the vineyards that we farm, and really in any vineyard, um, to to you got to have somebody there. Vineyard these tractor, you know, tractors 
start at $60,000 or something like that. Vineyards are freaking expensive. If something goes wrong, you're not letting that happen unsupervised. So, you know, I think that um, it's really interesting. It'll definitely save labor. Um, for me, it's, it's about removing one of the pieces of, of sort of, um, you know, unattended to consequences of farming organically, which is, you know, all of our weed removal and, and weed mitigation is mechanical. We're not using Roundup, but that means more than one tractor pass to deal with weed management. Um, and, and if that can happen with the lower carbon footprint, if we can, you know, plug it in at, at Stone Edge Farm where they have the microgrid and, and are generating all their own electricity, all of a sudden there's zero carbon footprint to run a tractor in your vineyard. Um, and that's the part that's really special. So, you know, the, the driverless, operatorless, automated thing, you know, I, it's cool when your Roomba, you know, vacuums your house, um, <laughs> you know, while you've got your feet up watching TV. I don't anticipate, you know, you know, vineyard managers sitting down at the, you know, cracking a beer at, at Steiner's and letting the tractor run through the vineyard with nobody watching it. It's just like, I know I'm dying to see the first glitch in the matrix where someone comes back and their entire vineyard has been plowed. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I got mean, off by a foot. Right. I, I mean, right. That's like, you know, the, the story from the monkey wrench gang, right. You know, the best way to, to mess uh, a freeway up is move every survey stick six inches. Um, right. If you remember that story, but you know, I mean, I can see the driverless tractor idea working in the Midwest where they're, you know, planting these huge fields of corn and, and whatnot um, where there's nothing to run into. But I think I got bounced off for a little bit, but you know, running down between a vine row. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Phil letting anyone um, not no. be in the tractor going through an old vine vineyard. Yeah. An old vine vineyard and, or like, Caymans or Moon Mountain where you have, you know, steep and terraces and rocky and nothing straight lines. You know, I could see, you know, in my mind, I think about like uh, 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 Gloria Ferrer and you drive out there and it's, you know, straight line rows for a mile. And, and you know, maybe that could work then, but still, all right, take a, an Enterprise Vineyards model into consideration, right? We have more vineyards than we necessarily have tractors or you know you have different tractors so we're moving our tractors from site to site all the time somebody's still got to move that tractor so there's going to be a person involved in that anyway so you know is it you move two tractors to a site and one person can can you know oversee both of them operating at the same time maybe uh we'd have to get two of them then so you know i, I don't know I, i'm 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 look forward to learning more about the, the driverless piece of it. Um, but for sure, um, you know, an, an electric tractor, uh, eight hours of runtime um, and enough torque to pull all the implements that we need to do, haul grapes, you know, run the Roan Ripper in the disc or in the, you know, the weed management stuff um, should be, should be pretty cool. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Excited to talk to Carlo. Carlo's a, a good guy yeah, in general. Has lots of lots of good stories and good to talk to. So, uh, um, but yeah, the Monarch Tracker and, and you know the way they rolled it out with with Hawk Waka Waka and Raj Parr and the whole deal. Um, well, well done. So hopefully we can you know hopefully we can steal a little bit of that shine or get that spotlight on us for a second. <laughs>
Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Anything uh, else on your mind, Sam? I think that was it. What was that? Our, our text message thread that went around that I wrote yesterday. I had some good ideas. What did I say? Did we cover everything? Uh, we talked about the top 10 lists, the top 100 lists, uh, the return of clean wine. Now, nah, fuck that. Clean wine's a joke. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Uh, looking ahead. It does, it, it, it does crack me up, though. Like, all of a sudden, through my social media, there they were again, you know? Yeah. Um, it just kind of like popped it, up again. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say, I think uh, this has been a highly educational and mildly entertaining episode of the Winemakers podcast. Oh boy! Um, and 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 I'll, I'll we'll have to see if our listeners feel the same way. Uh, well, m- mildly uh, entertaining. I don't know about educational at all. But ah, <laughs> this was this was highly um, educational. Okay, good. Highly well, educational. You know, we're trying to be out here breaking barriers. You know what I mean? our own barriers the barriers that our own intellect has put up up in front of us or lack thereof the barriers that we create for ourselves yeah exactly (laughs) oh and can i can i just throw it out there that i have been working on my website and Uh so i'm i'm just waiting for a a switch on the domain we got the domain name but then it was under maria's email and so we switched it last night to mine so it's taken like a day but by the time the show comes out you should be able to go to Sonoma Psalm Wines, uh, Sonoma Psalm, S-O-M-M, Wines, W-I-N-E-S, and at least check out the site. I'm playing, it's me building it, so be gentle. But, should uh, it actually be Sonoma Psalm Wine? No, 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 Wines, Wines, Bart, this is a thing. Wine? This is, this is, this is, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> we, I'll, I'll clue you in a little bit more later on why, but this is, uh, that, uh, now that frightens me. <laughs> yeah, right. this, this is going to be deep, a prank. Brian, you're in deep. Yeah. Are you going to release your Rusan before I actually can manage to finish the packaging before of the Hanu Ted and release that? Oh, I thought you were going to say, am I going to release the Rusan before you sell out of yours that was picked the same day? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, half, I'm halfway there, Brian. Yeah, I there. figured. I figured. It's going to happen. <laughs> But you can at least go check out the site and email me with your um, futures. There's no prices on there because I didn't want to, um, you know, didn't want to scare anyone off. But it's, you know, it's super high end. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, All right. Sam, uh, happy last night of Hanukkah. Be, be safe. Get a fire extinguisher out for that, yeah. for that menorah. For sure. <laughs> I've, I've had it next to the table. I'll just try, you know, keep Althea away from the fire extinguisher and away from the flames. It's a, it's a, the daily, yeah. the nightly challenge. The yeah. miracle of Hanukkah, you don't burn your freaking house down. Uh, on, a, on a very serious note, I do want to like, before we close this out, and I don't know if we'll have a chance to talk about it in our next show, that just like extend the utmost of, of thanks and gratitude to the podcast listeners who, um, you know, been buying our wine um, and, and supporting not only us, but the guests that we've had on all year long in this in this crazy fucked year we've gone through. Um, you know, I talk about my financials. And I, I know um, the reason that we had success this year is, is because of you guys. And, um, you know, so even if you buy our wine cheaper at a, at a bottle shop every once in a while, Jesse, it, it's all good. Um, you know, we're, we 
we wouldn't be here without you guys listening both to the show but also our wine brands um you know you yeah. helped big part of helping us get through 2020 yeah totally and 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 it really i've said this before nothing makes me feel better than when i see one of our listeners opening a bottle of wine from someone that's been on the show um, it, it just makes it, it, it shows this community and, um, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, I, I never really kind of thought we would get this far down the road. Um, and I know there were times where we were saying like, well, are we going to run out of people? But I don't know. I still have this growing, growing list of people to have on the show. And, you know, none of them are from Constellation or Gallo at this point. Um, they're all just small independent uh, wineries and winemakers, and it's awesome, just awesome. Although I was I was talking to Brene uh, the other day. She's got some like new projects cooking. Speaking of Gallo, so we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get her on in 2021. I think we'll we'll probably put together some more virtual, you know, winemakers podcast virtual tastings in 2021 too. So, um, you know, we'll uh, keep listening, keep posted, and we'll get the whole gang back together again soon. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's yeah there's so many more people in the stable and and so many more wines. I was excited the last time I went to Bart's spot and tasted some of his wines. Um, he's got some really cool shit that's that's coming down the line. So just gonna you know be a good 2021. Yeah, a yeah. lot of good wine 2021. Totally, for sure. Totally. All right, guys. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Check us out radiomisfits.com backslash the winemakers. Uh, Everyone have a good holiday. Stay safe. Wear your mask. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.